This message was shared from the pulpit at Good News Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. For more information, visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org. Please take your Bibles and let's turn to Matthew's Gospel, Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have a Bible with you, electronic uh, way of getting to the scriptures, there's also a Bible in the hymnal rack in front of you. And our Bibles don't get COVID, amen, so go ahead and use that if you need to. When it comes to our lives, we tend to compartmentalize things into a spiritual category and, a, and then material categories. But our Lord never makes that distinction. Everything about our life is to be done and used for the glory of God. A right view of wealth is the mark of one of heaven's citizens. A heavenly citizen who is thinking heavenly, thinking biblically, will be a good steward, realizing that what we have here, including our time even, we're managing for the Lord, and such a perspective will also help him or her grow spiritually. Many material things are necessary. In fact, here in Matthew 6, you just drop down to verse 32, and, and we're reminded, For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. There are physical, material things that we need here. And God also wants us to enjoy what he has given us. All things richly to enjoy, Paul said to Timothy. However, we must remember that everything is competing for the affection and the worship of our heart. It is. Uh, yeah, you can have too much of a good thing. Uh, and because we are made in God's image, made to be worshipers, it is easy for us to worship other things, including material things. So we need to see from today's text that a wrong view about material things can bring our entire being really into bondage. Our heart, our mind, our will can be brought into slavery to things. Now what God gives us to be a blessing can actually turn into bondage. And we can't be revived or even satisfied if we're looking to material things to satisfy our hearts. Only God can do that. So I've entitled our message today, Wealth's Potential Bondage. Wealth's potential bondage. Now, some of you may be tempted to tune me out right now because you say, I don't have any wealth. Yes, you do. So yesterday afternoon, I was visiting with Evie Green in the rehab facility, and we, we were just reminiscing, talking, and she shared this with me. Back in the day, she remembers when her dad made $10 a week, and that was a good paying job. And I told her that somebody who has a job that pays 10 hours today, we feel like we need to graduate, right, up to something a little bit more substantial. 
it's all relative. It has to do with perspective. And you know what? For millennia, God's been taking care of his children. And he's promised to continue to do so. But when we have wealth, and I'm speaking to Americans this morning, you're wealthier than the rest of the world, really. Most of the rest of the world. And so realize that the things you possess can potentially bring you into bondage. You've been delivered through Christ and the cross. But these things can, bring you, can enslave you again. So to help us understand this, the Lord first focuses on the heart. So let's look at our text. We're going to begin in verse 19. Again, to uh, have the abundant life, mountaintop living. We need to heed what our King says, King Jesus here, in this sermon that he preached on the side of a mountain. Verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Now the word heart in verse 21 speaks about the core of our being, where our true affections are. So references in scripture to the heart. It's talking about your core, your innermost self, and the affections that govern your innermost self. And so what is the Lord teaching as we start this text, this, this context? Here's what he's saying. First of all, the heart can be enslaved by material things. Your affections can be brought into slavery to stuff. Now, it's easy to set our desires and appetites on material things. This is why Paul warned the Colossians to only have affections in one place, Colossians 3, 2. Set your affection. It's interesting that in the text, that is singular. All right? When you take all the things that your heart loves, it really boils down to this. You have affection for things above or you have affection for things here. Set your affection on things above and not on things on the earth. The Lord Jesus helps his listeners with this by comparing material things that are vulnerable to material things that are truly valuable. So again, verse 19, Lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth. Don't treasure up treasure here. Where moth and rust doth corrupt. That word rust in the original is an interesting word. It means to eat. Okay? We live in Virginia and there are bugs that like to eat what you're paying a mortgage for every month, right? Okay? It may not be rusting away. There may be critters eating it away. But, but the point is rust, it eats. Say, yes, pastor, come out and look at my vehicle. I'll, I'll demonstrate for you that, okay. That's what the word means. And it corrupts. And where thieves break through and steal. Now, we've got some folks from the Midwest here. Uh, I grew up in northern Illinois, pastored in Wisconsin. And just off the, the shores of 
Port Washington, up in that area, in Milwaukee, something tragic but instructive happened. October 24th, or October 29th, rather, uh, 1929. On the 24th, America experienced the Black Thursday stock market crash that we now know is the start of the Great Depression. That happened on the 24th. A few days later, the steamship USS Senator was traveling on the foggy surface of Lake Michigan and collided with the SS Marquette and sank almost immediately, taking 10 sailors to the bottom with her. The wreck today rests 450 feet below the surface and is known for its impressive cargo. What was on that ship? Well, on board, 268 brand new Rambler Ranch Classics built by Nash Motors. At the time, the worth was $251,000. Today it would be about $10 million. A robotic research vessel, a while back, went down and revealed that below decks, on the Senator, the cars are still packed in neat rows and in cold, fresh water. They're in great condition. But what a testimony to the fleeting nature of riches. When we talk about cars, I've got everybody's attention because we need them. But to think that at the bottom of Lake Michigan, there is a ship with, with those cars aboard. They're in great shape, but they tell us that if you get the cars to the surface, they would disintegrate as soon as they came into contact with the air. Don't treasure up treasure here. Do you know that the very air we have to breathe and the very water that we depend on destroys the other stuff that we need? Think about that. Some of you have beach homes, and the salt helps eat it all too, right? Okay. That which is vulnerable, and the Lord is teaching about what is truly valuable. So hear the words of the wise man, Proverbs 23 and verse 5. Wilt thou set thine eyes upon that which is not? For riches certainly make themselves wings. They fly away as an eagle toward heaven. And so earthly wealth is vulnerable, but heaven's wealth is truly valuable. So verse 20 says this, But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven. Treasure up. Treasure up there, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. Now don't forget that there is true material wealth in heaven, and it's eternal. The Bible tells us about a real city, precious metals, streets of gold, things that it'll take all eternity and we still won't be used to looking at it. There are real crowns for those who have lived for the Lord here. And the scripture talks about those. 
Uh, there are other things that the Lord promises. So only allow your heart to have affection for those things. Now there's a very practical reason why, and you see it in verse 21. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Your heart does have affection for the things you treasure, and the things you treasure will continue to feed the affection. So it goes both ways. The Lord is just choosing to focus on the one side of that. So what, what is he saying here? I like what Warren Wiersbe said about this text. It is not wrong to possess things, but it is wrong for things to possess you. That's the point of the text. So material things either enable the heart to glorify God and give to others, or they enslave the heart by short-sighted temporalism. Paul told the Corinthians, while we look not at the things that are seen, but at the things that are not seen, for the things that are seen are temporal, the things that are not seen are eternal. What a privilege it is to put material things to work for God as we enjoy them. But if we gather them to satisfy our selfish needs, here's what happens. We'll lose them. By the way, we're not going to take any of it with us. We'll lose them, and number two, we'll lose our hearts with them, if that's where our affection is. And folks, it's not worth it. People are devastated by the loss of things sometimes. In fact, going back to the Great Depression, when that, when that Black Thursday happened, you had businessmen jumping out of windows in New York City, out of skyscrapers, jumping out. Because that's where their affection was. It's gone. They had nothing else to, quote, live for. That's not the Christian. Or it shouldn't be. Now, not only can the heart be enslaved by material things, but so can the mind. Look at verse 22. The light, or the lamp, or the body is the eye. Therefore, if therefore thine eye be single, if it's clear, if it's healthy... Let me put it this way, spiritually, if you don't have any spiritual cataracts, okay, the whole body shall be full of light. In other words, the light will shine brightly through out your body. Verse 23, but if thine eye be evil, if it's bad, if it's unhealthy, using the Lord's illustration, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. Now, what is he talking about here? We know physically how it works with the eye. You can have eye problems where things are not clear, they're blurry. Okay, So we, we can relate that way. Some people live in darkness because physically their eyes don't work. So it is spiritually. When the Lord talks about the eye, here's what he's talking about. He's talking about the mind. So you'll recognize this expression. We refer to the mind's eye, right? So the way we think either brings light to us in our existence, or the way we think brings darkness and a lack of clarity to our existence. The eye is the primary gate to the mind, 
And what we let through the eye gate will either bring light or darkness into our being. This is why a blind person can know Jesus Christ and have a life full of light. Right? Remember the hymn writer, Fanny Crosby? Boy, she saw things spiritually that, that preachers reading her lyrics, you know, way, and say, you know, I just learned that. And here's, here's this hymn writer. She was a theologian. She's blind, but she can see. Why? Because she had the light of the Lord in his word. So a blind person can know Jesus, have full light. A seeing person without Jesus can stumble through life in tragic darkness. Now, my purpose this morning is not to be controversial. And for the Christian who knows God's word, this isn't controversial. But in the world we live in that is in darkness, this is controversial. I commented last week, made the statement that woke is broke. And it is. There are things in our society that we do need to abolish like racism, okay? It's still there. I, I don't think it's the best term. It, frankly, it's just hate. It's hate from one, one man to another man, another, one woman to another woman, okay? But this doesn't mean that we abolish the police. That is blindness. That makes no sense. We hear calls for equity, but they don't mean equality. And, and, and brothers and sisters, I hope we understand that. They're not talking about equality. They think everyone should be treated with the same benefits and respect, whether they break the law, work hard, are diligent. It doesn't matter. Everybody just needs to be treated the same. The problem is God doesn't say that it works that way. In fact, he even dares to say that if a man doesn't work, he shouldn't eat. <gasps> well, that's not woke. Well, it is if you know the scripture. Okay, now I, there are those who can't work, and the church of Jesus Christ needs to be there to help meet those needs. But just because I exist on this planet don't, doesn't mean that I should receive all the benefits of existing on this planet if I'm not obeying God. Woke says that a man is so smart, and that man is so smart and so great that he can change the weather. That's woke. But did you know that, quote, scientists mark the start of modern global record keeping at roughly 137 years ago? 1880 is when they start keeping official weather records. 1880. And we figured out all the weather, weather for the existence of mankind. No, we haven't. Say, Pastor, who are you quoting? This will crack you up. I'm quoting NASA. That's because earlier available climate data doesn't cover enough of the planet to get an accurate reading. And again, according to NASA. We don't even know what the weather was in those other places, unless there are old historical records, but that doesn't tell us a whole lot. And yet, we're going to fix the weather because we've broken it. 
Let, let me just, again, let me help you be woke on something. You know what? God says, if you don't follow me, I'll break your weather. Yeah. I'll do what I need to do to turn your heart back to me. So we, we want to we wanna turn to wind, windmills, and we want to turn to solar, and we want turn to turn to all those things. By the way, my mother and grandmother believed in that stuff. They were ahead of their time. They used a clothesline. But folks, listen, God controls all these things, and instead of turning to these alternatives, we need to turn our hearts back to God. And then he promises, I will heal your land. What's that mean? He fixes the weather. Hmm. So the point is, when we move away from what God has said, we move away from the light. We can become so blinded that we can even call the darkness light. So now look at verse 23. No wonder God says this. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, and I'm adding a word because this is what the Greek text does, if therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, oh, how great is that darkness. How, how great is the darkness? Well, God made me male or female and put all the chemicals in my system, wired my brain to think that way, but I'm not sure now. That's darkness. God said, I created marriage to be male and female. And he put in all the necessary stuff to make that so. That's been his plan for millennia. But all of a sudden, that's no longer the light. Here's the light. We can't be sure. No, that's great darkness. That's what, that's what that is. Now, we've, we've kind of gotten off the path a little bit. But let's, let's get back to the path. Do you know what else is great darkness? That if I live my life accumulating wealth, that it's going to satisfy me and matter for eternity. No, it won't. No, it won't. And doesn't the Lord give us an example of a man who thought he was being so prosperous, he's going to tear down his barns, uh, and he's going to build new ones, and he's going to fill those barns? And what did the Lord say to him? You're a fool. Tonight, your soul will be required of thee. And you know what happened the next day? Somebody else is bidding on all that stuff. Because it's not his anymore. Amen. He was in darkness. So the mind can be enslaved by material things. The same blindness exists in those who would gain the whole world but lose their own souls. If you're listening this morning, you shouldn't feel guilty about having things because you're, uh, the gracious God of heaven gave you those things, okay, unless you obtained them illegally. But, but here's the result. You can have all those things, and Satan wants you to be distracted by all those things, but unless you have received God's gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ alone, you can own the world and die and go to hell. And whatever you had here will not matter. 
won't matter. And so today, the Lord graciously says, come to me, let me satisfy your heart. Let me wash away your sin. Let me give you eternal life and a home in heaven forever. Come to me. And if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior today, doesn't matter what you have. Today you need to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because if you die tomorrow, you're going into eternity alone. So the heart can be in bondage to material things. The mind can also be in bondage to material things. Jesus closes this section with another reality about earthly wealth. Here it is. The will can be enslaved by material things. All of us are choosing to serve someone, and that someone determines the material things we serve. Let me say it again. All of us are choosing to serve someone, and that someone determines the material things that we serve. So if you're serving the Lord, if your heart is to please Him in all things, you're using the things that He has given to you to serve Him as well. That's your perspective. But if you are serving you, trying to please self, the things that you have, you're going to try to use that to satisfy you. Frankly, you'll waste them on you, and here's the, here's the nasty little secret, you'll never possess enough on this side of heaven to ever satisfy your heart. In fact, the wise man says that. <laughs> you know, there are some things that are never satisfied. And interestingly, he says, the eye of man. Unless we're looking to Jesus, our heart cannot be satisfied. So all of us are choosing to serve someone and that someone determines the material things we serve. So notice verse 24. No man can serve two masters. No man can choose to serve or try to serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. All right, so let's break that down. The word hate means to disregard, neglect, and slight. Okay, so if, if these two masters are vying for my affection and, and my will wants to serve uh, one or the other, whichever one I choose to serve, I will have disregard and slight for the other one. Or else I will hold to the one and despise. I'll look down on the other. So, so consider this. The heart, the core of our affections, signals the mind to feed the affections. And we are the servants of wherever our will then takes us. That's the way it works. So we must choose who we will serve, what we will serve. If we choose to serve the Lord, we'll disregard and look down on material things that call out to us and our minds and our hearts. Now, don't misunderstand. You need to be a good steward, so whatever God has given you, you need to take care of it for His glory. It needs to be maintained. Right? A diligent man does that, the Scripture says. So while I maintain it for His glory, and I want it to last because I need those things, most of them, all right, 
I maintain it for His glory so that I can continue to use it in service to Him. But that's very different from me just setting my mind and my heart on that and having more and more and thinking that it will satisfy. So we must choose what we will serve. If you choose to serve material wealth, you will neglect the Lord and look down on His claim on your stuff. It's my stuff. And you'll forget that He gave it to you to begin with. So you're going to have to choose. Why? Well, the text ends this way. You cannot serve God in mammon. The word mammon there simply means earthly goods or possessions. You can't be servant to both. So maybe you're wondering, how do I know if I'm serving God or serving possessions? Well, that is easy to answer. What is your heart seeking for satisfaction? When you feel empty, where do you turn? A while back, my wife, and I'll, I'll do the repair later, but I'll, I'll confess it. She started watching this show called Hoarders. And how many of you have seen that? Now, don't be self-righteous here. Okay, most of you. Good. All right. Now, she, she is watching this, and I believe her when she claims, so because I, I don't want to be, have clutter, okay? And she knows that that's a good thing because I hate clutter. Right, to a fault, I hate clutter. The dog is not man's best friend. The dumpster is man's best friend, okay? <laughs> Part of that comes from pastoring Baptist churches where everybody gives their clutter to the church because they might need it, and I don't want to have to deal with it, so... Dumpsters are good things. Amen. All right. But if you've watched that show, you know that they pack houses and they get trailers and they pack trailers and campers and it just keeps accumulating to the point where it's no longer even healthy. And when somebody comes in and tries to help them give up that stuff, and by the way, if you're a hoarder, I don't know it but you need to stop. It won't satisfy. But they have all this. If somebody comes in and tries to help them, hey, you've got 15 of, of this. How about if you give up this many? And there's a pause. They can't do it. Why? Because they're serving material things and they still, they're in blindness, but they still think it's going to satisfy. And it won't. And all this other junk is proof it won't. All right. So, when your heart is seeking satisfaction, where does your mind go to satisfy your heart? Are you neglecting any of the king's directives about possessions and stewardship because they interfere with your material priorities and wants? So when someone says, well, pastor, I just don't think I can afford to tithe. Well, you just exposed yourself. You can't afford not to tithe, 
But where your heart is, you just testify that you're serving something other than the Lord. Finally, on which side of eternity are you investing? Have you even thought about that? Now, going back, and I'm, I'm not, this is not a message on tithing this morning, but you, do you know that those who consistently tithe through their Christian life have a great investment waiting for them? They do. If you set aside from the first time you had a job 10% of what you got, you set it aside for later, you'd be doing real well right now, some of you. But here's the blindness of the human heart, even a Christian heart, if our affections are here. God's already given me 90% but i got to have his 10%. Really? When he's the one promising to take care of you, and oh, by the way, he's done a great job at it. I can look at you and tell. If there's holes in the bag and there's never enough, that, that probably isn't God's fault. Okay. So... On which side of eternity are you investing? You say, Pastor, this sounds selfish. Would you stop it? No, this is not. Our church is doing really well financially, praise God, and he's going to meet our needs whether we are or not. But here's the point. What I am trying to help you with this morning is going to benefit you forever. And I want that for you. God wants that for you. And by the way, he's going to destroy all this and he's going to make it all brand new. And it won't fall apart and decay. It's going to be wonderful. So put your affections on things above and serve the God above who's promised to freely give you everything you need. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text. Lord Jesus, thank you for teaching this text and for the great help that it is to us. Now, Father, there are financial pressures. There are financial setbacks. And Lord, sometimes we need to work a little harder, be more diligent to try to make up for for those things. But Lord, we dare not do that and not take those cares to you first. And if you lead us to do more, then we praise your name. But Father, our flesh wants to convince us, the world wants to convince us through advertising and other things that satisfaction comes from having the latest and the best. And Lord, you teach us otherwise. You gave us the best when you gave us your son. And through him, you've also freely given us all things. And so help us to trust you. And Lord, may our lives demonstrate that our affections are not here, but are on things above. 
And then, Lord, help us to be good stewards so that we can be like our Lord who had so very little in material things when he walked on this earth. Lord Jesus, what an example you, you are to us and to your disciples. God, just help us to trust you. And Lord, satisfy us with yourself. Help us not be blinded by this age, including its materialism. We pray these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. Toward the hope of our high calling, toward the promise we've received. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about your relationship with God, or you would like to know more about the ministry of Good News Baptist Church, please visit us online at goodnewsbaptist.org or call us at 757-488-3241. We encourage you to share this message with others. We trust your heart was challenged as you listened, and God's Word has had an impact on your life, as together we strive to show forth the path of life. Press on.